by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Really, my heart's heavy for many reasons today. Uh, This pandemic one, but George Floyd... Uh, the way he died was just heart-wrenching to see the man begging for his life and nobody would, would show him any mercy. And that's uh, the callous murder of this man. And I just wanted to address that. And that's, I don't know if you've seen the video, but it's, uh, it's very, very difficult to watch. And, and then the response around the nation is very difficult to take in because it's not honoring the man and not honoring his death and it's uh, it's going in the wrong direction so let's pray and, and I want you guys to be praying for our nation I mean we are living right here in the perilous times that the Bible talks about he said in the end you shall have perilous times we've started the 2020 with the pandemic now we're burning down our cities uh, the church, if we're not going to pray now, when? Let's pray together now, but I want you to promise me that you're going to pray all week for our nation. Father God, we need your love now more than ever in this nation. There is an enemy fast at work trying to destroy the fabric of our society, trying to bring division, trying to rip apart all the healing that you've tried to take place in this nation. And we pray right now, Father God, that the works of the enemy are destroyed, that the church rises up. Lord, you really, I don't believe you see skin color. I believe you see two kinds of people. Those that are your children and those that you want to be your children. And that's the only kind of people we need to see, Father. We need to love everyone Father, give us patience, give us kindness, help us not to return evil for evil, help us set ourselves apart at this time in this nation. This is our chance to show what a church is supposed to look like. And I'm calling on Passion Church, and I'm calling on all the churches in our nation to rise and to pray and to give this world the face of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may not know it, but but today is the day of Pentecost. How many of y'all knew that? It's exactly seven weeks after the resurrection of Christ. It's the day, really, when the church was born. The church as we know it. Because that's the day that the disciples, 120 of them, were in the upper room. And the Holy, the Holy the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended like a mighty rushing wind. And there was tongues of fire on all their heads. They were filled with the fire of, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they got up speaking in other tongues. And that was when the church received the power to be the church. 
And I wanted to show a video. Brother Tom, you mind getting the lights? And uh, Brother Rick, could you make sure the sound is on? And Brother Greg, could you play that video real quick? Brother Josiah, could you zoom in on it? The Spirit of God hovered over the waters at the moment of creation. Like the universe exploding outward from the single spark of God's word. So the church became real. Put your hand on the ground. The earth itself is vibrating. The mountains. The oceans. The deserts. The creatures that live here are all breathing in. The planet is inhaling. Imagine the song it will sing. The song of Pentecost. Joy enveloped the disciples. Their words were understood and welcomed. Their joy was contagious. Their message was heard and translated and shared. The church moved into the world, bringing light, bringing love, covering all there was. There was no denying it. There was no going back. The church as we know it was born. God, we feel your presence. Let us use it. Let us take this rush, this moment, this Pentecost, shouting into a world that is bored stiff by life. We have been made aware of the presence of the creator of the universe. Give us the strength to keep it going. God is real. The church is born. The song goes on and everyone can sing. Amen. Amen. We're that church. When we get up in the morning, the ground should start shaking. We're that church. When we get up in the morning, we go out into the marketplace, into our jobs and our families and our schools. People are to sense that, that awakening happening. They are to sense the Spirit of God in us. Today is the day we celebrate the Holy Spirit in our lives. The power of God. He is that shaking he is that mighty rushing wind. He is that tongue of fire. He's the one that sets the world on fire. Amen? Let's give the Holy Spirit a round of applause for what he's done in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And let's just let him have his way. Yep, all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in a language that everyone understood. Everyone understood what they were saying. Today's message is entitled, The Language of Love. The Language of Love. You see the tie together because Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. On that day, God's love came into our hearts. And now we can speak a language that this world wants to hear. Every heart really secretly desires to hear the language of love. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 in your Bibles. We're going to start uh, verse 1 and go through verse 3. Ephesians 2, 1, out of the New King James Version. And you he made alive. Hallelujah, we can stop and celebrate there too. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You were just like the world. 
that world that you have such disdain for right now that you say, what's wrong with those people? You were right there in there with them, dead in your sins and trespasses until Christ made you alive. And it says, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's what makes them act so funny, walking in this certain course. Because they have a prince too. And it's the prince of the power of the air. Say the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Yes, we did. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So we were just like them. We were following the prince of the power of the air. Another way you might say that is the prince of the power of the airwaves today. Do I need to explain that to you? Who do you think is controlling the airwaves today? Who do you think is setting the course of this world through the airwaves today? Propagating hatred, anger, bitterness. Constantly on, on the airwaves, stirring the cauldron of poison, which is poisoning the souls of mankind with this hatred and this bitter. All those things are poison. When you engage in those things, it just physically makes you sick. But yet, we run to them. It's like we are being instigated by a third grader. You remember in the third grade, there'd be one kid say, Hey, God, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? What'd he say? Oh, man, you need to talk to him. He, it was bad. You know, you go over there and say, What'd you say about me? Oh, he said this. He said, they're instigating. Right? And as adults, are we still being played? Hello? Is there still instigation going on on the airwaves? I don't want to have to spell it out for you. I'm just going to let you think for yourselves here. But it is the darkness of the devil. It fosters the fruit of the flesh. And this flesh ain't so good. When we give in to our flesh, boy, it can get awful ugly. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going the wrong way. Galatians chapter 5, just a couple pages back. Verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, Wild parties and other sins like these, and let me tell you again, as I've before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, oh, he's speaking a different language. 
Come on now. He's speaking the language of love. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and... Did I say gentleness? Don't let me leave gentleness out. And self-control. You can control yourself if you've been born of God, if you have the Holy Spirit. And there's no law against these things. Those who, who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. My friends... Have you crucified your flesh? Have you been crucified with Christ? There was a teacher of religious law came to Jesus while he was teaching, trying to trip him up. You know how they did. He said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what did Moses say? What does the law say? And the guy says, well, the law says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you own to something there. That's good. You do these things and you will live. In other words, you love, you will live. Oh, I like that. Say, if you love, you will live. You know what? It's already easier preaching with just a few people in here. Do you know how hard it's been preaching to a camera lens? <laughs> If you, love, if you love, you will live. So Jesus is, you know, telling him the secret. But the guy's trying to qualify his answers, trying to trip Jesus up. He says, well, who is my neighbor? And we know Jesus begins to tell him the parable of the Samaritan, or the story of the Samaritan. I don't even think it's a parable. And uh, he says, a guy was on a trip, you know, and he fell in among thieves and they beat him and left him for dead in the, in the ditch, took all his money and left him there to die. And then there was a, a priest that walked by and saw him and it's like, oh, I just did my rites of purification. I'm holy. I can't touch that sort of thing. <laughs> and he walked on by. Jesus is hitting a lot of people in this parable. Okay, and then the next guy's a Levite of the priestly ranks as well. He walks by on the other side. But then the, a, a despised Samaritan, I don't know why, but the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. But a despised Samaritan comes along, he bandages the guy up, gets him out of the ditch, cleans his wounds, puts him on the donkey, takes him to the inn, and pays the guy to take care of him, and basically has mercy and compassion on somebody that most people would see as their enemy. And Jesus says, he's saying, how do I put this? He's saying, see, the question is not, who is my neighbor? The question is, are you being a neighbor? Which one of those was a neighbor to the man? Don't look and qualify other people if they qualify to be your neighbor. You just be a neighbor. That's what Jesus was saying. You know, there was a, a story somewhere buried in the back of some of these news reports here recently about a guy named 
Marvin Applewhite of Minneapolis. For the last four days, they've tried to burn down their city in Minneapolis. Is I'm saying that right, Minneapolis? Boy, talking about a tongue twister. But Marvin Applewhite starts a GoFundMe post, says, let's buy some brooms and some cleanup stuff and clean up our city. And he's looking to raise enough money to buy some brooms, and they've raised about like $30,000. He, he leads some people to the streets where they've been burning down these buildings, and they're out there cleaning up the neighborhood in the daytime. You don't see much of that on the airwaves, do you? But don't you think Marvin Applewhite was just as upset about the, the video as everyone else? It wasn't like he didn't care. He was hurt too. But he expressed himself in the language of love. Not according to the course of this world. How do we reach a world that's consumed with the powers of the air? And consumed with walking according to the course of this world. What does the church do? What did Jesus do? He won souls one at a time. He won crowds where he could, but... Like I said, it's, there's two people. There's saved and there's unsaved. There's the ones that are his children and the one he wants to be his children. And if we're going to change America, we've got to change what's in the hearts of the people. The only way you can change America is to change the hearts of the people. And nobody knows how to do that except the church. The world will give you some experts on trying to rechange their thinking, put band-aids on this or that, but God gets to the heart. And the church knows how to tell them what they need in their heart to be filled with this language of love so that you can get other people to come to Christ. Jesus is traveling during his ministry and he stops and sits at the well in a town called Sychar, and his disciples go off to buy some food in the city, and he's sitting there by himself, tired, wore out. And a Samaritan woman comes bringing her bucket to get some water. You know the story, the woman at the well. And he says, woman, could you get me a drink of water? And in John chapter 4, verse 9, the woman was surprised. Why was she surprised? Because it says, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She was surprised. Because no one had been reaching out. Would people be surprised if you were to talk to them about Jesus? Probably so. Because Christians are not crossing that line and trying to win those souls like we should. It's an unusual thing for somebody to reach across that line and say, I know you're lost and I'm saved, but I want you on my team. 
I don't want to just classify you as lost. I want you to be found. I want you to know the mercy and the grace that I have received. Will they be surprised? Let them be surprised. Jesus engages in this conversation with this woman. He begins to talk to her about the possibilities of having eternal life and she's sassy and feisty and she wants to fight back and and because uh, she don't know how to respond. She's not used to anybody reaching out to her. Jesus finally confronts her with her deepest issue and her deepest issue was her own guilt over her own sin and her own marital past. Now at that point, most people that you would have... <laughs> He, what he does is he operates in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge. And he tells the woman something that there's no way he could have known without the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus is showing us how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And he tells her that, yeah, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And instead of bowing up, she says, you're right. You must be a prophet. Now, if he wouldn't have been speaking to her the language of love, at this point, she's gone. See, we have to learn how to get into a person's heart. And we don't get there by arguing our way in. We get there with the language of love. Obviously, he was showing genuine concern for this woman, or she would have left at that point. But we know the story. She goes on. She, she leaves her water jug, and she goes and tells everybody in the whole town of Sychar, come and see this man, Jesus. Is he the Messiah? She's got a whole new outlook on life. Just a five-minute conversation with someone who would dare to speak the language of love changed her life forever. And I've seen it happen time and time again, witnessing. I'll say, oh, I don't feel like it right now, Lord. You know, to engage in a conversation. You know, I'm kind of an extrovert. Lord, I don't but, but every time I minister to somebody, every time I go to somebody and begin to tell them about Jesus and let the love of God pour out of my heart, I walk away saying, wow, look what the Lord has done. And there's been times I know that that person's life, the course of direction of their life has changed forever because I was willing to invest five minutes with the language of love in their life. Is that good or what? But how might many of us handle the situation at the well? A lot in the church, first of all, they, they wouldn't even have said nothing to the woman. I mean, I don't want nobody to see me talking to a sinner. It isn't politically correct. I might, oh, I might embarrass myself. I don't know how to spread the gospel. So self-conscious. Secondly, when we asked her to get us some water and she told us to go get our own rope, oh, it's on like Donkey Kong then. <laughs> We're ready to fight. Forget her eternal destiny. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about her sins, but it ain't going to be in a good way. You see how different the conversation might go? And when she deflects to talking about religion like she did with Jesus, you know, as soon as she found out he was a holy man, she wanted to talk about where you worship and how you worship, what you wear and all these things. Many of us today, 
when the conversation turns to religion, we'll end up arguing with them about denominations or which version of the Bible do you read. We'll, we'll just lose our focus about what we're really there to do. It's not about those external things. It's about your heart, lady. And it's about a, a loving God that wants to show you his grace and forgiveness. Every word that Jesus spoke was from a place of concern for this woman. He shows us how to speak the language of love. Are you speaking the language of love? I remember one time, it was me and Angie's anniversary. And, uh, you know, we're big partiers. We went out to eat and we went to books a million afterwards. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're sitting around and, and I was looking down the book aisles and I was next, the aisle next to the New Age book uh, aisle. And there were some kid over there in a goth looking uniform whatever all black and he was talking to some young girl over there saying yeah you ought to check out this book this book will tell you how you can get in touch with your inner self and how demons can help you do this and all that and I walked by and I heard that boy it oh it hurt me on the inside and I immediately started thinking what I need to do something I need to help this young lady or what what can I say Lord but I didn't know you know I didn't know exactly how to approach it so I was going to pray, and I walked up the aisle again. And by the time I did, the woman walked off, and she was gone. And I was like, well, maybe I'm too late. But then the God wouldn't let me let it go. He kept bringing that young man to my mind, this man who's out there preaching his gospel, so to speak, his bad news. And Angie's over there wanting to, you know, have an anniversary, but I'm over here hovering around this fellow praying in the Holy Ghost. And I finally go walking up to him. And I said, Lord, you're just going to have to leave me. I, I've never talked to someone who's openly pushing this new age stuff. You know, he's obviously into it, into demonic forces and all this, the things he was saying to this woman. And I went over there and uh, I said, what you doing? What you looking at? He said, man, you ought to see this book. He said, this is by so-and-so, so-and-so. And this." Uh, he said, I've had supernatural experiences. And he starts witnessing to me. So I said, okay. What, uh, how long you been into this stuff? And he starts telling me, I'm just, I'm just opening a conversation. I'm not being argumentative. I'm just listening. Now, I, I wouldn't do this in my own strength, but I'd been praying that the Holy Ghost would leave me. I didn't even know where I was going with this. But I just know God was giving me a love for this fella, despite his wickedness. And so I was listening to him. And then as he would begin to speak to me about some things, the Holy Ghost would give me an answer. He was saying, yeah, there's a real spiritual world out there, man. You can get in touch with this. And I've had demons show me how, how to do this and do that. And I said something along the lines of, well, you know, if, if demonic forces are real, that would probably mean that there's angelic forces, wouldn't it? That would mean that there's probably a good spirits. He said, yeah, yeah, I guess so, but, but I've had experiences like that. And, and, and I, I, everything he would say, I was getting him to see a different side of it. And, and I take no credit for it. The Holy Spirit led me through the whole thing. But by the end of the conversation, which was about 25 minutes later, and Angie's over, <laughs> 25 minutes later on our anniversary, the, the guy's asking me questions. And I'm telling him, you know, it's really 
comes down to what you learned as a kid. You know, God is real. Yeah, you're delving into spiritual matters, but the, there's a good and there's a bad. Why would you choose the bad? Why would you choose the team that loses? And now he's asking me questions, and I'm telling, I'm sharing the gospel, and he's saying, you know, my grandmama's praying for me. He said, my grandmama's always telling me this. She's asking me to go to church. Maybe I am looking at this wrong. Maybe I am on the wrong team. And I shared, I had a pocket Bible with me, and I gave it to him. And, uh, and I said, you need to begin to read here and so forth. And, and uh, I didn't win him to the Lord, but he left, shook my hand, and said he was going to pray about it. How do you take somebody who's caught in demonic activity like that and in a 20-minute a conversation, took me 20, it took Jesus 5, took me 20 for him to leave seeing life in a different perspective? I didn't have the wisdom to do that. It was the language of love shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. If you love them, they will come. Isn't that, that a movie or something? <laughs> so how do we use the airwaves as Christians? You know, there's good things on the airwaves too. The first thing we got to realize is not everybody out there is virtual people. I know I call it virtual world sometimes, but they're real people on the other end of those comments you're making. And sometimes we'll say things on the Internet that we wouldn't dare say to the person face-to-face. -face. We'll set them straight. We'll tell them the truth. We'll argue. We may be arguing for Christian principles. For We may be arguing the truth. But have you ever heard the term speaking the truth in love? It's almost like I see some Christians would rather win the argument than win a soul. You know what I mean? Okay, so you won the battle, but you pushed them that much farther away from Christ. Amen or oh me. We could use this same tool to speak the language of love and make a radical difference in this society that is just going the opposite way. We can't let the devil control the airwaves. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. Our God is smarter. The devil is nothing to him. Christians need to stand up and speak the language of love. But many of us don't want to engage the world at all. It's us and them. It's the Samaritans and the Jews. We just have Christian friends. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with each other. You know, we talk about harmony a lot. That, that means you sing your part, but you, you're singing in harmony with other people. See, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the, co the company of ordinary people. Not everybody's extraordinary like you. <laughs> and don't think you know it all. I tell you what, I preached down at the jail many times thinking I'm coming there to bring them a message and some of those guys in those orange jumpsuits know more about the Bible than I do. They just made some mistakes. Don't think you know it all. Be willing to learn from other people. And never pay back evil with more evil. 
Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. In other words, care about your witness as a Christian. Protect your witness as a Christian. Let people see that you're honorable so that you will have a platform into which they want to hear from. And do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Everyone. All that's within you. Now, I know some people don't want to live in peace with us. I know some people not, could give no cares about you or what you believe. In fact, they, wouldn't, they would rather sock you in the mouth. But as much as within you, you do your part to live in peace with those people. If it means I just got to stay away from that guy. But many of us don't treat our Christian friends all that well either. I mean, nobody in here. I mean, you may treat your Christian friends that you believe like we all believe the same way. We may treat each other good. Oh, but let somebody have a different idea on the rapture or something. Oh, they're not in our camp. But Mark 9, 38, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, and we told them to stop because he wasn't in our group. Jesus said, don't stop him. Don't stop him. Haven't we talked about us being a masterpiece individually and that churches have their own identity? We have our own vision as a church, and it's not going to be the same as the church down the street. We're individual bodies. God puts us in the company where we belong. He puts us in the church where we fit in so that we can believe alike. But just because they don't believe the exact same way we do down the street doesn't mean they're our enemy. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. There are many different functions and gifts within the body. Let people use their gifts that God gave them without insisting that they do it your way. There's too much bickering in the body of Christ. I mean, the most persecution I've ever received was not from the world, but from other Christians. Let somebody use their... I mean, there's certain things that, yeah, you, you, you stand up for the main things. But if somebody, you know, doesn't believe exactly like you, what kind of style of music or something, come on! That's ridiculous. I love that word, ridiculous. I say it funny. Galatians 5.14 says the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And the church is getting very good at destroying each other these days. The, the devil's just laughing. The, 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 the demons are sitting there. <laughs> we got them going at each other. We don't even have to do nothing now. We sit back and watch them destroy and bite and devour one another. It's, but Jesus said in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It is your platform from which you are to speak because they can see that you love 
before you even get there. They, they, they don't want to go to a church where everybody's got it in strife. They got that at home. But when they see our love for one another and for the world, they're like, I, that's something that I want to hear from. Instead of criticizing each other over what songs we sing, how about Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. How about we try to help our church next door in their uh, food distribution? The project they got going. Okay, so we don't, we don't get involved in distributing food or whatever. They do. Well, let's help them. Maybe they'll help us. Maybe we should all come together as a church and, and function like a body because the fingers don't do the same thing as the toes do. Maybe the church should be the last people to be dividing and instigating like third graders. Our personal witness should be of utmost importance to us because it determines the degree to which people will let us speak into their lives. And they're anxious and they're fearful and they need someone who's going to speak the language of love. And we can ruin our witness with one simple post, if we're not careful. I thought he was a loving person. Over something as temporary as politics. Don't let every mountain be the mountain you die on. I don't speak about politics not because I don't have strong beliefs about what's right and wrong. It's because I'm not willing to, to alienate myself from somebody who might, who unbeliever who might not believe the way I do. My witness to lead them to Christ is more important than my political beliefs. Because this is temporary. But I'm thinking about eternal. You know, it takes maturity. To get to the end of that discipleship wheel we always talk about. Knowing God. Finding freedom. Discovering that you have a purpose. And, but to get to that place where you're making a difference, you're going to have to mature in Christ and come out of the childlike behavior. The bickering and the, the strife and all those things. You're going to have to be bigger on the inside. You're going to have to rise up and learn the language of love. Develop your character and your integrity so that you'll have a witness and a platform which to reach the world and make a difference. And I'm going to close with Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15. It says, work at living in peace with everyone. That means people you don't agree with. That means people that may hate you. That don't mean we don't return evil for evil. And work at, li at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Say the grace of God. See, he didn't say that none of you fails to, to know everything perfectly. That none of you uh, fails to use all your gifts. None of you reaches your calling. He says that you may receive the grace of God. That means... Something that you didn't deserve, just like the person you're saying doesn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it either. So that none of us fails to, to receive the grace of God. That's what we all are in this about. Something we don't deserve in the first place. 
Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness. That's what's happening. There's a poisonous root of bitterness growing in the hearts because the airwaves are spreading seeds of bitterness and anger and malice and slander and division. And we're letting it in our eyes and in our ears and there's growing a root of bitterness and it troubles us and it will corrupt many. The Bible says in the end times, the love of many will wax cold. My friend, do not let your love wax cold. Continue to, to draw near to God, to be filled with His Holy Spirit, and to speak the language of love. You are the cure for this world. The Holy Spirit in you is the light of the world. You are the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, and the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Don't let bitterness and anything corrupt your witness. God will play the judge. We speak the language of love. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.